Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. And delighted that you're with me. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests like Ryan Clark in this hour on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. You can tweet at me. Just use hashtag Greeny. And I go in there and I look at them and I see the things that are on your mind. Some good reaction to some of the things that we've talked about here so far this morning. I opened with a biblical verse, which is a first. 24 years I've been at ESPN. I've never done that before. But there's an expression, it's from the Bible, that I use a lot. And I wanted to make sure that I was saying it exactly right. And it is, to whom much is given, much is required. I always thought it was expected. I've always had that wrong. I always thought to whom much is given, much is expected. It's required. And actually, in this context, that works even better. That's where I opened the show today, because there are two people who fall in that category, and they're both playing today. One of them is named James Harden. It doesn't matter if it isn't his fault that they may be about to lose this horrendous series to Oklahoma City. And his coach will get fired, and his general manager will be on the hot seat, and Russell Westbrook's been hurt, and he hasn't looked good since he came back. But what will happen is people will continue to say James Harden just can't win in the playoffs. And that may or may not be fair, but that doesn't matter. Because if you want to be James Harden, you have to win this series. You have to win this game. The first week that we came on doing this radio show, when the Lakers lost game one to Portland, I said the Lakers are not in any degree of trouble against the Trailblazers. They will absolutely beat Portland because LeBron James doesn't lose this series. If you're LeBron James, you don't lose in the first round against Portland, and of course they didn't lose another game. If James Harden is going to take the next step to being who I believe James Harden wants to be, which is one of the tiny handful of great players in the NBA, aside from what he already is, which is one of the great scorers in the history of the NBA, one of the great offensive, one of the most dynamic offensive players ever, but wants to transition from being that to being in the discussion with LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, the actual best players in the NBA, you win this game tonight. No excuses, no reasons, no nothing. You win. Because to whom is given, much is required. That's simple. Same with Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. All this controversy, great conversation on my TV show this morning. Should he have just demanded to go guard Jimmy Butler when Butler was scoring 40 and Giannis seemed defensive about his defense when asked that question after game one? And Kendrick Perkins says, you want to be that guy? You go cover Jimmy Butler. You don't care what the coach says. You go shut that guy down because that's what the great ones do. And that's what Giannis will do. And Jalen said on TV with me this morning, I guarantee you in game two, if Jimmy Butler gets hot, that's what Giannis will do. Because to whom much is given, much is required. So that's where we started the show today. Harden has to win. Giannis has to shut down Jimmy Butler. And that's the way it's going to be. I believe Harden will win. I think the Rockets will win. I I can't believe they're going to lose this series. But that said, I can't believe it's gone seven games. So crazy things tend to happen. And maybe they will happen here. And Giannis, I believe, and the Bucs will play better. I think they're going to lose that series. I've been saying it for a while. I think Miami will win it. We'll wait and see, but I think that Milwaukee will win tonight. I don't think they're going to get swept. I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. AFC East Division preview I did for you this morning. I'll be doing it on TV every day, and then I have a poll question up on my Twitter page every day, at ESPN Greeny, as we preview one division a day leading up to the start of the season, which is a week from tomorrow. And today, the AFC East. In a nutshell, here's what I say. The Dolphins are getting better. They spent more free agent money than any team in the sport, and they dread 
But he's not playing yet, and they're not ready. They'll be better, but they're not a threat. The Jets last year had a winning record in games started by Sam Darnold, and they did address their terrible offensive line with a monstrous first-round pick, and they spent a bunch of free agent money on the O-line. But they've lost their two best defensive players. C.J. out, Jamal Adams traded. That's a problem. The Bills are the Vegas favorite to win the AFC East. Josh Allen should be better with Stephon Diggs. Their defense was the second best in the sport last year. They should be great again. I think they will be good. I think Buffalo is good. They made the playoffs a year ago. They'll make them again. They will not win the division. For the 12th consecutive year, extending that record, the Patriots will win the AFC East. Because nothing could be more New England, nothing, than getting Cam Newton for nothing and him being great. If he was anywhere else, I would point out all of the injuries. I would point out the questions were not about whether he could get healthy again, but about whether he was finished. I I would point out the fact that he has not always been the most accurate. I could point out the fact that with all the hits he's taken, can he still run the way he has over the years? And if he can't, can he still be incredibly effective? I would bring all those things up if he were playing for any of the 31 other teams in the NFL. But if there's one thing I know, it's the Patriots, because I have a philosophy. And that is sports fans know their own teams pretty well, but they know their rival better than anything. I know the Patriots. I've been living with this for 20 years. Newton is going to be great. Cam is going to be great in New England because that's how things happen in New England. They still have Belichick. If they didn't have half defense opt out, they had the number one defense in football last year. If they didn't have half their defense opt out, I would pick them to go to the Super Bowl. I would pick Brady against Bill in the Super Bowl, which would be unbelievable. It will not happen because half their defense has opted out for the season. Dante Hightower, they won't get past Kansas City with that. They won't get past Baltimore with that. I think Pittsburgh's going to be really good. They're not going to get out of the AFC without a defense, without all those players on defense. But they will win the division. I have New England winning the AFC East. Hear from you on Twitter. Again, you can vote on my poll on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny, or you can just tweet at me using hashtag Greeny. And I was taking a look at some of the responses that I'm getting to a variety of things. And here's one of them that I like a lot. Ben uh, Bainey84 tweets at me, Greeny, what you're expressing is the desire to see Giannis and Harden, both probable Hall of Famers, play their best. We see it from LeBron. We see it from AD. We see it from Kawhi. Stars can have off nights, but when the lights are brightest, those moments make memories. That's right. Stars don't have off nights on the biggest nights. Almost none. Very, very rare. They lose sometimes, but they play great. James Harden has to play great tonight. And based upon who they're playing, they need to win. He needs to win this game tonight, desperately. Desmond Ray tweets, if the Rockets lose against the Thunder, do you think they should blow it up and trade Westbrook? I don't know what they're going to do. It seems that Mike D'Antoni is already going to be the coach in Indiana. If you're going to change the coach, James Harden is the perfect player in Mike D'Antoni's offense. Mike D'Antoni and James Harden are a match made in heaven. If you're going to make that change, if you're going to get rid of D'Antoni, then you are, I'm not going to say starting over again, but you certainly are doing something new, something different, because no one is Mike D'Antoni. No one is coming in there and doing exactly what he's done. I actually like the pairing of Russell Westbrook and James Harden. 
And some things are excuses and other things are reasons. It is not an excuse to say that Russell Westbrook being hurt is part of the reason why they are where they are. Russell Westbrook missed a whole bunch of games in this series, and he has not looked good since he came back because he's rusty, because you can't just jump right back in in the middle of a playoff series and pick up the rhythm where everyone else is. It doesn't change the fact this would be a terrible loss. Terrible. They've had some terrible losses in the playoffs. This would be up there. They made a lot of big decisions here. They trade away Clint Capella. They decide they're going small. If it, if it ends in the first round against this team and against Chris Paul, who they traded away, I do think there will be significant changes there. But I think they'll bring back Harden and Westbrook. And I think I would too. Um, let me see where else I'm trying to figure out uh, what some of the other responses in here. All right, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about this as we go. It's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of response to the Kirk Cousins stuff, as I knew there would be. Kirk Cousins making the comments that he did, I think they were to some degree misinterpreted, are being to some degree misinterpreted, but that's the danger of life in 2020. You say something like, if I die, I die, and that's what gets out there. And you can't expect people... One of the things that has been lost in our society to a large degree is nuance. And if you don't want people to parse your words, you have to choose them really carefully. And in this case, he may not have done that. So there's a lot of response to that. I will have to sift through that carefully. I'm Greeny, and you can check out ESPN Audio at home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. Next order of business. A baseball manager has made a threat, something that can only be described as a threat. Now, I understand why he was angry, and I'm going to talk you through it, but I wonder what, if anything, baseball should do about the mere fact that a threat of this kind was made. So I'm going to let you hear how this sounded yesterday on WDAE in Tampa. The Rays and the Yankees were playing out a series, are playing a series in the American League East. The Rays are, I think, now three and a half games up on the Yankees in the division. Those teams meet tonight for the last time this season. And Aroldis Chapman, who throws 100 miles an hour, threw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball directly over the head of Michael Brasso. And you will hear on the call on WDAE, they were frustrated. Brasso with an open stance and the first pitch on its way. Look out over his head. Are you kidding me? He's done that to all three batters now. He's getting a little nuts. And I was noticing Kevin Cash looking the way he was looking. And there's some barking now. Got to be kind of, But that's three straight up and in against the Rays pit, uh, hitters. Three straight up and in by Aroldis Chapman in this inning. And by the way, that pitch was 101. And the, the Yankees umpires. are allowed to do it, but nobody else is. So it's 101 miles an hour. And that one was directly over his head. I mean, directly over his head. So that is dangerous. The benches barked at each other. They did clear, but no, there were no punches thrown or anything like that. But afterwards, Kevin Cash of the Rays was quite upset. He made no secret of that. I don't blame him for being upset. But the question is, did he take it too far with what he says at the very end of this soundbite? Let's hear it. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees. Uh, certainly the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. Poor judgment. Poor coaching. It's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it 
is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. Okay. So I'm fine right up until the last thing he wants to say about it. He, has, he is well within his rights to be mad. He's well within his rights to be frustrated. He's well within his rights to call out Aaron Boone or Aroldis Chapman or whoever he wants to. I'm fine with that. The umpires. But that last sentence, one more thing he said. I got a whole stable full of guys who can throw 98. What does he mean by that? That's a threat, right? There's no other way to take that. I'm not projecting that, am I? I'm not. There's no way that's being misinterpreted. That's a threat. He's basically saying we can throw at guys' heads too. And we're getting into a dangerous area there. A 101-mile-an-hour fastball like Aroldis Chapman threw, we use the phrase sometimes someone could have gotten killed. That genuinely could kill somebody. 98 miles an hour, you go headhunting, something terrible genuinely could happen. So what, if anything, should be done about the threat? I'm fascinated by that question. The guy who always answers those questions for me is my buddy Buster Olney, who jumps in for a minute here on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Buster, how big a deal should I make, and, and it's perfectly fine if the answer is none at all, about Kevin Cash finishing that by saying, I got a whole bunch of guys here who throw 98 miles an hour. Yeah, it's a big deal, uh, which is why when Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, was asked about it and Kevin's words were repeated back to him, uh, Booney was surprised and taken aback and didn't want to address it because it's so unusual for something like that to be said. Now, I think uh, I just mentioned Kevin Cash is one of the smartest people in baseball I know, uh, and it does feel like this is like watching a nature show right now with the Yankees and the Rays, where you got the the young lion being the the Rays, uh, and you got the older lion being the Yankees, and they're both uh, you know preening and trying to show their dominance. This year, the Rays have actually absolutely kicked the Yankees' butt. Last night, Aroldis Chapman seemed to be trying to take some territory back in that regard, and now this is the Rays uh, raising up as well. But I think you're right where this just went further than what we've seen before, and I think the problem for Kevin Cash moving forward is even if somebody is hit unintentionally, now the question is going to be premeditation, and that's a dangerous place for him to be. What do you expect tonight? As I mentioned, tonight will be the last time these teams face each other in the regular season, and we have this expanded playoff, so it's certainly beyond possible. It's almost likely that they'll play each other again, but that's a whole different conversation. What do you expect to happen tonight? It is a total wild card, and I think we learned that earlier in the year when Joe Kelly pitched against the Houston Astros, where, you know, generally speaking, I think word is going to go out, especially after what Kevin said. You know, from the umpires, look, no, no, uh, you know, no funny stuff tonight. Don't do anything. And I think most pitchers, that's their instinct anyway. But if you get into a situation where, let's say, you know, one team has a five-run lead and the Rays feel like that they need to send a message back and the personality of the guy on the mound is like Joe Kelly, who wasn't shy about something like that, anything can happen. And it's why all eyes in baseball will be on that game. All right. Buster, thank you very much, my man. We just called you up here and you jumped in for a quick second. I appreciate it. Thank you. Because I find that really interesting. I mean, baseball has all of these unwritten rules. We talk about that all the time. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's anything but. This is one of those cases where it's anything but. One of my frustrations, well, I guess with unwritten rules in general, is that if you don't write them down, no one really seems to always know what they are. And Aaron Boone was raised in a clubhouse. He, 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 his daycare was a dugout. 
So no one knows baseball better than Aaron Boone does. And even he sometimes is wondering, well, what's the rule on this supposed to be? So, so, so what, is the, what, what are we supposed to think here? I mean, Aroldis Chapman could have really hurt somebody last night. So if the Rays throw at somebody's back today, that's going to be okay. They'll probably get warned. That'll be both, both benches, both dugouts will be warned, and that'll be the end of that. But you start, you start throwing 98 miles an hour at somebody's head, now we have a real problem, and you have the potential for something terrible to happen, and you have the manager threatening to do it. I suppose he maintains plausible deniability. If Rob Manfred were to call him and say, what did you mean by I have a stable full of guys who can throw 98, he doesn't have to incriminate himself. He didn't say the obvious following sentence, which is, and I'm going to tell one of them to throw the ball at somebody's head tonight. But that's kind of the only way to take it. So I do wonder if baseball should or shouldn't um, do something about this proactively. Interested to know what you think. Hashtag Greeny is the question, or is the, uh, is the way you can get a hold of me. One of the many good ways. Ryan Clark is coming up. We'll talk football with him in a few minutes. Speaking of football, I was just sent a note here. They've named a starting quarterback of the L.A. Chargers. It isn't the rookie. It isn't Justin Herbert. It is going to be Tyrod Taylor starting for the Chargers. So we will not see Justin Herbert starting for the Chargers, and I do not in any way expect to see Tua starting for the Dolphins. We will see Joe Burrow starting for Cincinnati. That was the worst kept secret. Maybe the least interesting announcement of the entire preseason was the announcement that Burrow would be the starting quarterback from the minute that they sent away Andy Dalton. That was his job, and I think it's the right thing to do. And don't look now, but am I the only one who thinks that Cincinnati has a lot of good players on offense? And if you watch them last year, if you play DraftKings like I do and you pay attention to the numbers... I mean, Tyler Boyd had a big year. He had big games. Joe Mixon, who they, he had some weeks where he didn't give you almost anything if, if you were using him in your DraftKings lineup or something like that, but he's a good player. He just got a $48 million contract and they're getting A.J. Green back. So they have a pretty healthy collection. I guess healthy is the operative word because Green has to be healthy, but they've got a fairly interesting collection of good players on offense. Now, the problem they have is that they play in a great division, probably top to bottom, the best division in the AFC. The best division in football is the NFC West. But in the AFC, I think the best division is the North. As the Ravens won 14 games last year, the Steelers won eight with, to put it kindly, subpar quarterback play. Maybe the most amazing stat I've ever seen is that last year, the Steelers went 8-3 and three in games in which they scored more than 10 points. And they get a Hall of Fame quarterback back this year. If they can score in double digits, they should win 11 or 12 games. And I think Cleveland is going to be much better. So Cincinnati and Joe Burrow could be vastly improved and could still wind up being fourth in a four-team division. I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoffs, but I'm a huge believer in Burrow. If you spent any time around that team and I'm very close to a whole bunch of LSU Tigers including the one who's about to join us and Ryan Clark and Booger McFarland and Marcus Spears and those guys were telling me before the world was talking about it you need to pay attention to this kid Joe Burrow and then he went out and had the greatest season any college quarterback has ever had in the history of the sport and he's got all kinds of moxie so he'll take his lumps because rookie quarterbacks take their lumps and they won't make the playoffs because they're just not good enough to make the playoffs in what is a great division. But I think they're going to be much better. And I think he's going to be a really good player, both in the long run and the short run. 
And I think they're going to be an interesting and perhaps at times really fun team to watch. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, Ryan Clark had a million interesting things to get into when he was on TV with me this morning. We will talk about my AFC East prediction, which I can tell you ahead of time he disagree with, uh, disagrees with. We'll talk about what Jerry Rice had to say about Dak Prescott and a whole lot more. And Ryan Clark joins me next. This is Greeny, and we're on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. I told you I got a lot of friends from LSU. This one still lives in Baton Rouge. My buddy Ryan Clark is with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. RC, I picked the, the Patriots to win the AFC East this morning, and you told me I was wrong. Tell everybody here who's going to win that division. Uh, Buffalo Bills. And I understand, Green, you know, so, some of your perspective on it because you've seen the Patriots overcome so many different obstacles. Diversity roster changes before, but I think they also had Tom Brady. They also had a defense that was equipped to carry some of the things they had to last year when they were at some of the skill positions offensively. But when you look at the Buffalo Bills and what they returned, uh, Josh Allen uh, at the starting quarterback position, who's much like a Cam Newton. Um, I don't necessarily think he's as accurate of a passer as we've seen Cam beat sometimes, but he's a guy who you can use in the red zone to get tough yardage running the football. He's won games with his legs, and now you add Stephon Diggs, on the outside, and you have a true number one receiver that can help him in some of those man situations by creating separation that he didn't have last year when you had him the Singletary in the backfield, Cole Beasley in the slot. And defensively, they have a star on every single level, and that's when you're not even considering that they have one of the best safety duos in Hyde and Poyer. You got Tredavious White at corner, Edmonds at uh, linebacker, middle linebacker, and also – Ed Oliver up front. And so when I just look at this team 
and what they have from a roster standpoint, the type of success that they were able to have last year, even though they lost in the playoffs to Houston, I just think they have more than the New England Patriots. Now, I do believe that Cam Newton is going to be a better fit for what they have offensively as far as a personnel standpoint in New England, but it still won't be enough to overcome the opt-outs defensively and the roster uh, of the Buffalo Bills with Sean McDermott as his head coach. All right, we'll see what happens. I- I'm willing for you to be right. The one thing that I don't even entertain here is the possibility that the Jets will win the division, but I can't talk about this division while I'm asking you about that. So, you know, my kids, my daughter and my son, I've renamed them Sam and Darnold. Doesn't really matter to me which is which um, because either name works for either one of them. Um, but I am very concerned that they are not doing the kinds of things around him to develop a player of his extraordinary talent. And I'm not going to use the best example maybe of all time, but you look at what they've done in Kansas City around Patrick Mahomes. It has been the perfect storm of good things. And as a consequence, he is now trending towards being the best we've ever seen. Darnold might not be that good, but he's ridiculously talented. And I wonder, I worry that they're not doing the right things around him and that that's going in the wrong direction. Can you make me feel better? Um, I can't necessarily make you feel better because, you know, we, we've heard some of the things out of that camp about Adam Gates. We we understand how they've moved some pieces around and, you know, and losing one of their best players in Jamal Adams. But they have seen to try to build the offensive lineup around Sam Darnold. I still don't think that they have the skill position pieces on the outside from a weaponry standpoint to allow him to excel, to allow him to use some of those incredible measurables, that incredible arm strength, that incredible arm talent that made him one of the more highly touted young quarterbacks at USC. And so for me, I would like to make you feel better. I don't think that they've done enough. I don't think Joe Douglas has done enough to allow Sam Darnold to reach his full potential this year. And so if you're if you're waiting on that, if that's the uh, expectancy of the New York Jets fans, it won't happen this year. I don't believe even with the pieces you have, Adam Gates has found ways to utilize them correctly. And until he does, until he understands that Le'Veon Bell may not necessarily be what he was in Pittsburgh, but there are some things that he is uniquely fitted to do that would absolutely help Sam Darnold excel. Until he can understand some of those things and kind of get outside of his personal feelings, I don't think we see this offense take the next step. And in turn, we don't see Sam Darnold necessarily take the next step either. All right, so you've depressed me and you've depressed both of them and Darnold. <laughs> R.C. with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. R.C., you said a really interesting thing on TV this morning, and I didn't have time to come back to it there, but the good news is I do here. So for those of you who watch us on TV in the mornings, we love doing a feature called uh, Explain Your Tweets because Ryan Clark is so good on Twitter, and he tweets these really funny things, and he comes on and he explains about them. But today we actually picked one of your more serious ones, Jamar Chase, superstar wide receiver from LSU, who I believe Todd McShay projects as the fourth best player in next year's NFL draft, has decided, not because of COVID, or we don't think so, just this week, as opposed to weeks ago when everyone else did, has decided to forego the season. He's just not going to play. He's going to opt out, and he's going to start preparing for the draft right now. And you raised the question at a time when players are increasingly skipping bowl games and all the rest of that, could this be the beginning of a trend? Could we see this start to happen even after the pandemic? So it's an excellent question to have raised. What is your gut feeling is the answer? 
I think we will start to see it. Um, and, and I'm going to bring this up. And LSU fans are extremely upset with me anyway right now, so it's, it's fine. There's a kid here that plays cornerback. His name is Derek Stingley Jr. He's going to be a sophomore this year. He's going to be the best defensive player in the country. Um, if you take away Chase Young last year, he and you look at Jeff Okuda, who was the number one overall uh, corner pick, I think if Stingley Jr. comes out as a freshman, teams are having to make a decision on if they're going to pick Jeff Okuda last year or Derek Stingley Jr. He's going to run three. He's six foot. He's 190 pounds. He's going to jump for you. Going into next year, he's going to be a consensus top five pick. Ty McShay is going to have him there. Mel Kuyper is going to have him there. His father, who I know well, and I have not talked to him about this, let me put that out there, I think he's going to have to make a decision. Because once he sees that all of these uh, – We're losing Brian's phone. You know, guys, let's see if we put him on hold a better signal there because it, it's just hard, becoming hard to understand what he's saying. And it, it's such an interesting and important point. And I'll pick it up there. I remember that kid because, I, you know, we were covering LSU's run all the way to the ultimately to the national championship. Here's this kid who was a freshman and he was a shutdown corner. I mean, I, I don't want to start comparing an 18 or 19 year old kid to Darrell Rivas, but he looks like he could be that guy on into the future. And the question is, if he has one year left where he cannot go into the draft, does he play and risk whatever injury and all the rest of that stuff is? Now, my inclination is to say that these play. I think they want to play in, in, in a vacuum. I, I have long believed that they should be allowed to go to the NFL. I, I was there. I was covering the draft the year that Maurice Claret challenged that rule that you have your high school class to be three years away from graduation play in the NFL that was changed. I thought that 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 would win they didn't so that's really one of the questions RC back with the line here go Brian pick up the thought from there what do you expect to happen can you hear me you got me greeny I'm so sorry yes man. I hear you um no problem no problem yeah I, I think once this year goes by and, and people see that the evaluators can look at the sophomore year film can look at the year before film and properly evaluate where they believe that these guys can go. I believe this becomes a part of the conversation. I believe Derek Stingley Jr., who's in, at LSU right now, who many coaches told me had he come out, they would have had to decide who they were going to pick, either Jeff Okuda or Derek Stingley Jr. as the number one cornerback drafted in this draft. His parents are going to have to make a decision. I thought it was a big deal that COVID showed us that you don't have to perform at the combine. You don't have to perform at your pro day in order to be drafted high if your film is that good. If you look at the number one overall pick, the number two overall pick, they didn't perform at the combine. They did none of the pre-draft evaluations, but they were still one and two because of their film. Now I'm looking at this season and thinking about the Jamar Chases, thinking about some of these guys that have already opted out, the Caleb Farleys, and saying, okay, if these young men still go in the first round, if they are still picked where they are projected, then what's going to be the reason to play your junior year if you have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt you are a top 10 NFL talent? When you look at a guy like Jamar Chase, the last time we saw him, he was the most dominant player, position player, in college football. I spoke with many evaluators, many coaches, and they said I, I would talk about DBs all the time. And they would say, I had this guy evaluated in this spot, but when I watched him play against Jamar Chase, he dropped. And I heard that about four or five different 
defenders who were in the 2019 draft. So there's no reason for him to play. So when people go back and look at this film, they're going to see him and they're going to know that he needs to be drafted in the top 10. And so once other athletes begin to see this, we talked about this with Clowney. We talked about this with Fournette. I think we're going to see this come to fruition where guys are skipping eligibility to prepare for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to see it, but I can't blame people who think about doing it. I have to run. RC, thank you. I will see you soon, and we'll talk more about this again. It's an interesting thought there, and it's Ryan Clark with me. Um, so the possibilities, are, look, sports are changing in so many different ways. There's a lot of it I don't like, but it isn't up to me. And I also understand people are making decisions with their lives that are that go well beyond the things that, that might appeal to someone my age. All right, coming up next, what I consider to be great news out of Philadelphia. I'll tell you what it is right after this. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Quick football note, by the way, one of the quarterbacks you can draft on your fantasy team would be Dwayne Haskins. The Washington football team announced today, no surprise, he will be their starter week one. That after earlier in our show today, we got the news from L.A. that the Chargers announced Tyrod Taylor will be their starting quarterback week one, not the rookie Justin Herbert. So a couple of quarterback notes to get in there for you. But I told you there was what I consider to be great news out of Philadelphia. And it comes in the form of a statement from Villanova coach Jay Wright, who writes, Out of respect for our Villanova community and our 76ers organization, I feel the need to address speculation about the Sixers head coach position. The 76ers have a great leader in Elton Brand, outstanding young talent, and an incredible opportunity for any coach to compete for a championship. As a lifetime 76ers fan, I have confidence they will bring in the right coach to build on what Brett Brown has developed. I am not a candidate for the job. I'm very happy and honored to coach at Villanova. It's a statement from Jay Wright. What I say, I say not as a statement about the Sixers at all. The world is a better place when Jay Wright is coaching in college. It just is. Jay Wright should be in college. Mike Krzyzewski should be in college. Tom Izzo should be in college. Those, those guys, the world is better when young men are being molded by people like that. Jay Wright is one of those people. And if you spend any time around him, and I have, you know you want him molding the minds of a lot of young people, most of whom will never play professional basketball, but will go out into the world and do a lot of other things. I also think, separately from that, that the lot in life of a college basketball coach is way better than in the NBA. NBA coaches are just hired to be fired. You don't have any authority over the players. 
You're, it, it, to me, the job of a college basketball Jay Wright could stay at Villanova for the rest of his life. They will make, they'll put a, his name on a building. They'll put his name on the court. Jay Wright should stay right where he is. He's doing just fine. Another basketball note: the notes, the news keeps coming in. Marcus Morris of the Celtics, excuse me, of the um, of the uh, of the Clippers now fined thirty five thousand dollars for multiple dirty plays involving Luka Doncic, and I'm. I guess the word dirty isn't in the news release, but I just put it in there. No question he deserved it. He was trying to get in Doncic's head. That's the way this stuff works. 21-year-old kid, try and intimidate him, see if it works. Didn't work. The kid can't be rattled. And that last play was definitely a dirty play. And so the $35,000 fine is 100%, in my opinion, 100% justified. All right, I'll finish it up today with some good tweets. Uh, You can tweet at me anytime you want. Just use hashtag Greeny and I'll see them. And we talked about Aroldis Chapman throwing 101 miles an hour at a guy's head and the Rays manager, Kevin Cash, issuing a threat, saying, I got a whole bunch of guys that can throw 98. And those teams play tonight for the last time this season. So what will we expect to see? We'll find out. And some of the reaction that came in here, Gianna tweets at me, if just one of the Yankees pitchers gets hit by a pitch tonight, excuse me, if just one of the Yankees gets hit by a pitch tonight, both the pitcher and the Rays manager should be tossed and suspended How could he make his intentions any more clear? Mike Burnside tweets at me. They are handcuffed on the Yankees race situation. The key words you use, plausible deniability. You can't prove intent, so they are forced to access when and if it actually happens. Here's the thing. I can't prove intent when it came to Chapman. That wasn't the only pitch that went directly at, certainly went up and in. And that last one went right over the guy's head. And that's extremely dangerous. I'm not in any way criticizing Cash for being frustrated. I'm not sure I'm criticizing him at all. I'm just asking the question. If you're Major League Baseball, can you have the manager of a team saying, I'm, I've got a bunch of guys that can throw 98. That's, that's not even pretending to hide the fact that you're making a threat. Chip tweet, suspend the Yankee pitcher that threw at the Rays player's head. Like throwing a guy's head, baseball has been policing itself for 150 years. And there's never been a time when that was okay. So what we're seeing is not okay. It wasn't okay last night, and it's not going to be okay going forward. Alex tweets at me, I totally understand Cash's frustration, but I agree with you. He went over the line when he said, I have a stable of guys who can throw 98. That sounded like a threat, and it's uncalled for. Stay tuned for tonight's game. It didn't sound like anything. It was a threat. Aaron Boone took it as a threat. It was a threat. You can threaten all you want. Sticks and stones don't break your bones, but a 98-mile-an-hour fastball to the head is a real problem. You can't have it if you're baseball. You can't have it when you're playing during a pandemic, and you can't have it any other time either. So I'll be very interested to see what happens there. The basketball tonight, I've already told you what's going to happen. The Rockets will win, quiet some of the hysteria around them, and the Bucks will win and quiet some of the hysteria around them. Milwaukee won't get out of the series against Miami, but they will win this game. The Rockets won't beat the Lakers, but they'll win this game. Hope you enjoy those. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning on TV for Get Up. I'm Greeny, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.